is PBF Podcast number 56 on PBF Public Radio. This is Romeo One Oscar bringing you Radio Free America. I don't know, uh, I don't know what to say about the hearings uh, for ACB um, going on for the Senate seat. It's a clown show. Um, We saw the big-brained Maisie Hirano from Hawaii ask if... If ACB had ever sexually harassed or sexually assaulted anyone, she dug deep and asked the questions so many people were looking for. Oh, and uh, good old, good old Spartacus from uh, Newark, New Jersey, there <laughs> asked her if if she was a white supremacist and if she denounced white supremacy. But the big meme takeaway of the day was um, her holding up a blank piece of paper. It was uh, Senator Cornyn asked her what what notes she had, because everybody had notes in front of them, and she holds up a blank piece of paper. And apparently, in addition to what her undergraduate where. They managed to find a bunch of people to sign some paper to say that they don't like her. They managed to get uh, another litany of, I don't know, I don't remember what it was. It was a few hundred people from Notre Dame to sign a piece of paper saying that she shouldn't be a Supreme Court justice. (laughs) And none of them had gone to the Notre Dame Law School. Because she was like at the top of her class at Notre Dame. It, it's just hilarious, the propaganda that gets thrown at us uh, daily, hourly, by the second. I mean, it's it's a clown show. And I really can't bring myself to watch too much of it because it's just absolutely pathetic. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's you know what games people are largely going to play. There's nothing to learn from that. I mean, the Twitterati people I, I saw on there, and it was unbearable. For people trying to claim that as an originalist... <laughs> they're so stupid. As an originalist... <laughs> This means that she's not able to vote. And also that blacks now, what is it, that three-fifth rule now applies. Like, they're distorting this because it's propaganda. And what's hilarious on top of that, too, is that they're spreading disinformation on Twitter. But while Twitter will fact-check our president about what happened with him and how sick you can be with uh, 
the coronavirus. They don't fact check any of these people from the left because the left controls the media. The left controls Twitter. They have no problem with disinformation constantly flowing out in the lies from the left. But, yeah, I, I, I do wonder... I wonder if they're coaching Christine Blasey Ford to come out and say that uh, ACB was the other woman at the party and ACB was the woman that that held her in the uh, the year she doesn't know when it happened and who was there and everybody else that she claimed were there said that what happened didn't happen. Along with all the other crazy people that, you know, basically <laughs> said Kavanaugh just had quartered the sexual assault industry and was pretty much making anyone and everyone at college. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just such a joke what they do in the propaganda. But yeah, that's my summary of that. Not going to watch any of it because my brain can't handle these big brains like Spartacus and Maisie Hirono. They've got so much to teach us. Oh, and, and uh, Senator Whitehouse basically spent his whole time just lecturing her. Good stuff. So our friends at Project Veritas released uh, an investigation they'd been doing in Colorado, going all the way back now to January of this year. It may have gone back further than that. But what it shows is the Colorado Democrat Party is overrun with extremists from the left. I mean, not surprising, right? When you have a non-licensed security guard working for one of the main NBC television networks in Denver executing people on the street. Unsurprisingly, a Colorado Democrat operative is an Antifa militant who promotes promotes killing in the streets. (laughs) I just have to laugh, guys, because it is so insane. These people have taken over so many institutions at this point. And not just the institutions. I mean, they're all over the place. You know, and and people are talking about, well, I would think this is Boulder. Nah, man. This is all over Colorado. It's radicals. And they've infiltrated everything. I think part of it comes down to that a lot of us have kind of, we've been very tolerant of these people. And this tolerance has allowed them to just destroy the foundation of our society from within. They have demoralized the nation. And, you know, they teach that horrible, horrible Howard Zinn at our schools. People quote from that now. 
and it's complete garbage. But it's just another destructive element. But back to this article. Uh, this comes from the Post Millennial. In the latest of hidden camera recordings, Project Veritas revealed that a Colorado Democratic Party executive committee member is an Antifa militant hellbent on igniting a political revolution in America. Breaking, Denver area Colorado Dems exec chairman and our revolution chair, and it was Coyote000 on Twitter, 2020 is a political revolution. We want to change the country with violence. There's one way to do it. Guillotines, motherfucker. Killing random Nazis in the street. Yes. Let's, as I've talked about before, the French Revolution, the Jacobins are here. They are in your party, Democrats. Now, of course, nobody will be forced to denounce them from the Democrats, right? Anybody in the Republican Party says the slightest off-color thing and they're gone. What was that guy, Steve King? He's gone. But these people are all over the place. Look at the squad. This comes after a Denver shooting at a Black Lives Matter Antifa soup drive. Yeah, and just so you know, the soup drive, they were throwing soup cans at the cops. Left a conservative demonstrator dead on Saturday afternoon, who was reportedly killed at the hands of a private unlicensed security guard hired by NBC News affiliate Nine News, and my own editorializing, Antifa-sympathetic NBC News affiliate Nine News, and Kyle whatever the hell his name is. The shooter's ideology was unearthed as a longtime outspoken leftist against Trump and law enforcement. 2020 is a political revolution, said Christopher Jacks, Weld County Chair of Our Revolution. A radical leftist organization spun out of Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign. I am going to do everything morally acceptable to win. I will lie. I will cheat. I will steal because that's morally acceptable in this political environment. Jax functions as a trainer, mentor, and on-the-ground quarterback at our revolution protest. Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe explained in a report, Jax represents the radical wing of the Democrat Party in Colorado. He is someone most Americans should be afraid of, O'Keefe said. Project Veritas further discovered that Jax believes that a Biden administration will be used to advance his political objectives or else violence will ensue. Joe Biden was presumably left wing, and he's got a functioning signing hand. Jax asserts, alluding to Biden's cognitive decline. As long as there's progressive legislation that comes across his desk, I am confident we can occupy his house. Then Jax referenced Biden's presumed residence at the White House if he were elected to the Oval Office in November's general election. We know where he'll live, and yeah, he wants to veto Medicare for all. Let him veto it. He's never leaving that house again without a protest. Despite his misgivings, Jack purports that the Democratic ticket will cooperate with his radical agenda or face entrapment. 
Mass civil unrest will spill to the city streets and residential neighborhoods, according to leftist war games. We're already ready to do it. We're on, Jax warned, justifying violence to gain complete political control of the country. I think the right wing has a monopoly right now on strong, violent rhetoric. I think they underestimate how many people on the left are organized, trained, and armed, ready to go should they decide to do their shit, Jax continued. Jax noted the number on his side as a reminder that there's a reason you guys feared the communists more than you feared the Nazis. <laughs> also alleged that, also alleging that Martin Luther King Jr., wouldn't have been as successful if it weren't for Malcolm X and the Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, all of them doing their things too. So, I mean, look, he's, he's saying they're ready to get violent. He's saying that the violence is necessary to force the Democrats to do this. They're going to force Joe Biden to do what they want. They want Joe Biden in power because they can manipulate him. Joe Biden made a pact with Bernie Sanders. AOC is a key part of that, the squad. The left is already geared up. We've been practicing for four years against somebody who doesn't listen. Jack's bucked President Donald Trump. Now we're going to go up against the Democrats who are the world's biggest pussies who fold all the time. Jack's moved on to attack those right of center. Half of the struggle that I have isn't with Republicans. It's with the right wing. It isn't with the right wing. Excuse me. It's with the fucking moderates and the Democrat Party. It's going to take a strategic hit against the 0.1% that's in charge because that's who it is. Killing random Nazis in the street. Random Fucking bootlickers, Jax told an undercover journalist. Now, remember, too, with these people, anyone to the right of Stalin is a Nazi. Random bootlickers. You support Trump, you are a Nazi. Now, granted, they're saying they're going from within the Democrat Party, but they're coming. <laughs> this is not being hyper hyperbolic. These people, as we have been tolerant of them, they're very intolerant. So, Jax told an undercover journalist naming Chief Executive Officer Jeff Bezos first on his hit list. If you want to do some Versailles shit, if you want to do some Antifa shit... You really want to change the country that way with violence? There's only one way to do it. you got to get people that are close to billionaires and start just random billionaires start turning up dead. Then Jack stated that there needs to be a militant group, adding that he loves Antifa for that reason. Jack spoke on the armed Antifa group who draws inspiration from John Brown, the insurrection leader who charged the failed raid on the federal arsenal at Harper's Ferry in 1859. Yeah, he said it's basically he's going to start looking towards the John Brown folks, because on election day, he's going to be sitting there waiting. The article doesn't talk about this, but he talked about he's going to be waiting uh, next to his gun safe. 
He's just going to be waiting to see if he needs to go out and start committing violence. And just so you know, too, this guy works for Quest. And he sits on the, he's part of the Democrat committee in the state of Colorado. Jax also described how fear tactics and ultimatums threatened at point-blank range benefit his revolutionary ambitions. But unions aren't stabbing motherfuckers like they used to. They don't have to, though, because they used to stab people, see? And that's all we got to say. Guillotines, motherfucker. That's all we got to say. Option A, what I'm proposing. Option two, slicey boys. What are your choices? Which one do you want? So, the Denver Police Department <laughs> is now investigating tonight's tapes, O'Keefe reported. And O'Keefe, breaking Denver Police investigating armed revolution tapes. Thank you for your concern. This information will be passed along to the proper personnel. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure, Denver. The guys that stood down for the uh, Back the Blue rally. And uh, one hour after the Project Veritas dropped the armed revolution bombshell, Jax deleted his Twitter account. Here's from O'Keefe. Breaking, the Colorado Democratic Party executive committee member and our revolution chair, Christopher Jax Coyote, has deleted his Twitter account one hour after we broke the armed revolution bombshell. And then uh, here's a tweet uh, from Eon Miles Chung. It looks like Christopher Jacks, the Antifa militant who was promising political violence in the undercover Project Veritas expose of Antifa, deleted his Twitter account. Oh, deleted, excuse me, his LinkedIn account. Following the video's publication, he works for CenturyLink. Senior proposal manager at CenturyLink, 10 years and two months. Armed revolutionaries are working in the corporations. The corporations promoting all of the radical left agenda. Apparently, CenturyLink suspended Jax, notifying the public of his current employment status. We recently became aware of comments made by an employee. We do not condone this type of activity and have contacted the appropriate law enforcement agencies. We have suspended the employee pending the results of an investigation. And that's from the CenturyLink official Twitter. Now, and just so you know, I mean, I've been working in corporate America for a, a bit now, and there are a lot of people like this. Uh, one of my coworkers was recently, um, had been working on her MBA, and part of her MBA was taking a lot of these, like, uh, critical race theory courses and she would just come into work talking about all the brilliant things coming out of this brainwashing agenda and this is across the board and that's in order if you really want to move up in management uh, HR needs to see you doing those types of things and these are the people that they're promoting within I bet his HR department at CenturyLink liked him until of course he said he was going to guillotine Jeff Bezos I guess they had to take action then. But yeah. 
These are the type of people as examples in the Democrats in Colorado. And I guarantee you it's in every state. This isn't limited to exclusively California. This is all over the place. Radicals everywhere. This next piece comes from Information Liberation. Denver Post releases key photos and shooting death of Lee Keltner after being accused of cover-up. So essentially what it comes down to is the Denver Post photographer who seemed to be working in tandem with the provocateur along with Nine News. You see her um, conversing with the shooter and the security guard in uh, Denver. Well, she had released photos, but she withheld a couple of key photos. And uh, the Denver Post released key photos capturing the alleged murder of Lee Keltner <laughs> at the hands of Nine News's Matthew Doloff. Internet sleuths over the weekend showed two crucial photos were missing from the section released by the Post, which should have shown Doloff drew his gun. After taking heat on social media, the, po- the Post relented and released the damning pictures which further implicate Doloff in the murder. Um, Michelle Malkin railed against the Denver Post for hiding the critical frames until they were called out. And this is from Michelle Malkin's Twitter. Update, the Denver Post has published frame-by-frame of Orange Vest photographer Helen Richardson's series of photos of the murder of Lee Keltner. They should do the same for all her lavish coverage of her favorite subject, BLM, BGM, militant agitator. The Denver Post was clearly responding to internet sleuths like Clown World News 1, who identified orange vest photographers missing Denver shooting frames 872-873. Amazing that they chose to hide these two critical frames until they are called out. And what the two frames show... They showed Lee Keltner stepping backwards away from Doloff as Doloff had, as he had slapped Doloff, he stepped backwards because Doloff was reaching for, apparently, I mean, it looks like he's opening the vest, potentially Lee Keltner's concealed firearm or it was the spray. Either way, he was trying to reach for those items. You, What you see is... Doloff lifting up his shirt and pulling his weapon out. And the Denver Post chose not to show those. Back to Michelle Malkin. The Denver Post editors and H. Richardson have some explaining to do. Why, of all the frames, would they have omitted 872 to 873 until called out by the public? The critical frames showing Doloff drawing his weapon as Lee Keltner was backing away. So... One day, H. Richardson is splashed all over New York Times for her Denver shooting photos, and the next day, after Internet Sleuths raised questions about 872-873 frames and maybe more missing, poof, her Twitter account disappears. 
The Denver Post photographer H. Richardson not only deleted Twitter account, she also turned Instagram private. Not fun getting peppered with tough questions from smart observers about Denver shooting pics, missing frames, and bias. You know what's next? They'll claim it's bullying. And of course. Of course they will. And of course, this is just another example of the propaganda that is run through our media. They will intentionally not give you the information. They will mislead you with the information they present, and they will omit information. Because it's propaganda. It's not truth. So, this was interesting. Um, we often rail on Ohio, Ohio, excuse me, Oregon. Um, Oregon DA Mike Schmidt, who represents the Portland area, who often lists people off. However, he has acted. Now, Two were charged over a statue toppling riot in Portland, and this is authored by Andy No in the post-millennial. Two out-of-state suspects are facing local charges after a night of violent rioting where Black Lives Matter Antifa activists toppled statues of former presidents and vandalized numerous buildings. The Multnomah... County District Attorney's Office charged 38-year-old Brandon Bartels, who was accused of being the driver who used a van to pull down the Theodore Roosevelt statue during the Antifa-organized Indigenous Day of Rage on Sunday. Bartels of Washington State is charged with first-degree felony, criminal mischief, and felony riot for allegedly vandalizing the Rough Rider equestrian statue. He was released without bail. Big surprise, right? District Attorney says law enforcement observed Bartles driving the van connected to chains and straps that were wrapped around the presidential sculpture. When Bartles drove forward, the memorial was pulled from the pedestal. Bartles is now also a suspect in the toppling of Abraham Lincoln statue. Huh, do you think? The second statue toppled that night, but the investigation remains ongoing. Bartles told authorities he has been staying with friends for the last week and gave court officials a Northwest. Who cares? <laughs> I don't really care about that. Uh, according to the Tri-City Herald, he was previously arrested and booked into the Kenosha County Jail in late August. Wait, you're telling me he was in Kenosha also? for not complying with an emergency management order amid the Jacob Blake BLM riots, which we have covered about a man who was under... He had a warrant for sexual assault and was carrying a weapon and was stealing a woman's car and had put a police officer in a chokehold, but people rioted. Additionally, 23-year-old Malik Fard Mohammed of Indiana has been charged... He is charged with unlawful possession of a firearm, possession of a loaded firearm in public, first-degree felony criminal mischief, and felony riot. According to court documents, Muhammad used a metal baton to smash out windows of the police office at Portland State University and numerous other businesses. 
Muhammad allegedly dressed in black block and was armed with a pistol and riot shield. When Portland police attempted to arrest Muhammad, he allegedly fled on foot. Police found him hiding behind barrels. He was carrying a loaded magazine and a matching loaded pistol was found nearby. Muhammad was bailed out quickly because people raise money for these people. They advertise raising money for these people on Twitter. PPB detectives have learned that Muhammad has been residing in the state of Washington and has attended multiple violent protests over the past few months. As of Monday, the OHS Museum cites more than $20,000 in property damage. The American Heroes Cafe was another one of the businesses vandalized during the riot. The rioters fired two pistols and rounds inside the restaurant and smashed another window using a bat a few days prior the cafe had been placed on a Twitter Antifa list as pro-police business. See, organizing violence on Twitter, which does not get them removed. More of the clear and apparent and enforced BS. The, <laughs> the, the left gets away with everything, and that's why they have leftist in these parties across the country calling for the murder of anyone and everyone they don't like. Portland has been rattled by more than 125 nights of violent protest and riots since the death of George Floyd. Damage to the Roosevelt and Lincoln statues will cost an estimated 20000 and 10000 respectively to repair, and the citizens will pay for it if ever maybe antifa will go out there and build their own statues like the one to what is it linen up in seattle seems only fitting so um zogby came out with a poll and this is what's interesting um, Trump is doing really well with independence, but what's really, uh, where he's losing and where Biden is winning is with suburban women. Um, so overall the poll has Trump leading Biden 46 to 43 in major battleground states. Now, one of the differences is Zogby included third-party candidates, um, Joe Jorgensen, Libertarian, and Howie Hawkins, as well as voters who are undecided. And this poll was done from 925 to 927 of 833 likely U.S. voters. It has... Um, Okay, so what I was reading from, it, Trump isn't leading Biden, according to these. I, I don't know, I was reading two different things. The, the coverage I had of this from Zero Hedge had Trump leading Biden 46 to 43, but the infographic shows Trump three points behind. So Donald Trump at 43 and Joe Biden at 46. And then um, the race is close and is a far better representation when you include third parties, said Jonathan Zogby. Adding Zogby analytics will always include third parties in a poll. 
it's a shame when you have a respected, intelligent woman as a party nominee in the mainstream media is pretending she doesn't exist. Now who is sexist? Everyone has a voice, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, and Greens. The contest is also close in battleground stamps, with Trump narrowly winning against Biden 46 to 43. See, okay, yeah, this the infographic is screwed up. Okay. So, apologies for that, because I started looking at the infographics. So, this is from Zogby. The contest is also close in battleground straits, with Trump leading Biden 46 to 43. Yeah, this is, this is poorly put together, so apologies for that. So, let, let, let's dig into some of what is interesting here. This is what I find really interesting. So... The president is coming back with independence, though Biden still leads 39 to 34%. This is from the Washington Examiner. Trump is winning voters aged 30 to 49, 51 to 38%. See, I find that interesting because there's a lot of millennials. There's some Gen X in there, right? But um, 51 to 38%, he's got a 13-point lead among that group. I didn't expect that. But it's interesting, you know, kind of going back to some of the things I was talking about with the corporate world. I do wonder how many people with the politically correct culture, how many people are this appeals to. In Generation X, 50 to 42%. 70% of swing voters who chose Barack Obama and then... So 70% of the swing voters who chose Barack Obama, then Trump in 2016, backed the president. Now, here's what's interesting. Biden, older voters chose him over Trump, 58% to 38%. I need to see what the numbers were in the previous election, but I find that interesting. He's got a 20% lead with older voters. Now, is that once you move beyond 49% or the age of 49? But see, Gen X, though, what does that cut into? What age would that put them at? Because that's into the 50s now. So it's interesting. I'd, I'd like to dig into this a little bit deeper. And he's winning the suburbs 47% to 39%. Biden is. Isn't that interesting? So I wonder, though, how they delineate between um, the suburbs and the um, rural area, you know, or, or, or what the categories are. And Biden leads Trump among suburban women, 52% to 33%, a 19-point lead with suburban women. I wonder if that's from uh, Kamala, though, you know? Hey, they, they've, they've played the game well on this. And uh, a little interesting piece to kind of go along is that multiple states had record-breaking numbers of early in-person voters. And, I mean, there's, there's images here from Town Hall Ohio, Georgia, Texas had record numbers of these people show up. And there's lines, people just standing. And um, where's this from? In Texas, 100,000 votes in, in the Houston metro. And the previous record was set on the last day of early voting in 2016. So that's interesting. Um and what this article does go on to say is that 
CNN, MSNBC, and NBC continually push the notion that Americans are voting early because they're energized. So, oh, in this piece, too, they show uh, voting rights advocate Stacey Abrams, you know, the woman that lost Georgia but still claims she's governor. Early voting is going to become the next front in the war against voters. And they show um, somebody, McKay Copens, I don't know who you are, but on NBC News, non-white voters are seven times more likely than white voters to wait in line for more than an hour, according to a 2017 study. So it it feels like they're trying to position that. Now, I'm curious with all the numbers that I said before is how many Democrats are energized to vote for Biden. When you look at the rallies and everything like that, because he had a rally in Arizona and nobody showed up. Literally, he had a rally in Arizona over the weekend. I think it was Sunday. Nobody showed up. And then you you look at Trump's rallies. And, I mean, there's always huge lines. I mean, maybe that's just, it's a difference in party, you know? Uh, But this is just some very interesting data. Anyway, uh, thanks for... Tune in to our podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please share this with others. And uh, have yourself a wonderful day whenever you're listening to this. This is Romeo 1 Oscar, out.